Welcome back to another episode of the Anguish Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk about driving techniques in rough water, world record sunfish, F1 racing, and fainting after an afternoon in the pool. Hope you guys enjoy the show. But before we go any further, I want to tell you guys that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I've personally trusted the Hercules TerraTrack AT2 and Power ST2 to get my truck and boat trailer to every event around the country safely for the past two years. These tires are long-lasting, quiet on the road, and most importantly, incredibly reliable. If you're in the market for a new set of truck or trailer tires, head over to HerculesTires.com and see why these tires are such an incredible value. You can also find out more by following Hercules Tires on Facebook or Instagram at Hercules Tires. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. We are recording this on Mother's Day, actually. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there and happy Mother's Day to our wives and mothers, uh, especially our wives who are letting us record a fishing podcast on Mother's Day morning. This hopefully is before they're awake, but um, there's a great chance my kids are going to wake up and on Mother's Day, my wife's going to have her hands full for a little (laughs) bit before things get started. So big thanks to her for, for that. What, uh, what's going on your way guys. Let's start with, uh, let's start with Rob this week, man. What's, what's happening your way, man. Dude, I'm just the broken record. Um, I've just pretty much realized I'm going to lose a whole year of bass fishing. So, um, yeah, I need to get out there. We went out uh, a week or so ago, uh, fished in the evening for a few hours. Fishing was terrible. Um, it was when that one front in nineteen or in twenty twenty one came in, literally. Yeah, in Arizona. <laughs> for the listeners that aren't in Arizona, the fronts are a big deal because we get them. Yeah, like once every six months. Yeah, it was so. <laughs> Yeah. So we just didn't do very good. I I mean, we went to Saguaro and that lake is so, those fish bite on current so much, I believe, you know, yeah, it was just one of those deals. We didn't catch them. So we're um, also in that post pond funk a little bit too. And the fish eating little windows, we may talk about a little bit today, but you've got the current and then you also have like the, the shad spawn going on, still some fish spawning. So you just don't have a, it's just funny though. Like the next day, um, so Boyd, my son Boyd and, uh, my buddy Alex and I, we went and the next day, Alex sends like a social media post from someone and they caught all these big giant ones the next day. It's like, that okay. makes you feel good, right? It's just the way it goes. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get out and fish this next week though. So good. Yeah. 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 We're hoping to uh, line up a trip in the middle of next week and that'll be fun to talk about on the show. So, uh, heck yeah. How about you, Nick? What's up your way, bro? You sent us a, a weird picture earlier this week. I sent you a weird picture. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Rob just rebuilds his house, and I just somehow am a magnet for weird stories about kids going down. But uh, Monday started with my daughter. My It was my daughter's birthday on Thursday, so she turned eight. And uh, I decided to give her, for her birthday this year, about $1,400 worth of dental work. So Monday started with a big fat crown and three extractions for her. I got to tell you, I've witnessed some rough moments as a parent between like second degree burns and concussions and all the times that we've spent in emergency rooms, but watching the pain that she had to go through getting her teeth pulled and then that crown put on was right there at the top. So it felt pretty bad for her. And needless to say, she started out not doing very good. That was Monday. And then on Wednesday, uh, my sweet loving wife bought like a little kitty plastic pool since we don't have a swimming pool and now it's almost a hundred degrees every day. We're trying to find a way to keep them busy. So my youngest obviously doesn't go to school. So we put some water in the pool for him at like 9am. And, uh, by my time, my older two got home from school, at like three thirty or four o'clock, that water had, uh, sat in the sun and brought up to a real nice temperature and apparently grew all different types of cyanobacteria and viruses because when my oldest two came home, they proceeded to swim for a while. And long story short, my, uh, my older son apparently drank like two thirds of that, that water before any of us noticed. (laughs) That's gnarly. And so then he started complaining about a stomach ache and I was like, gosh, dude, stop being so dramatic. Like I don't have any time for you. Like just, I don't know, like 
toughen up, stop being a little B-I-T-C-H. And so I gave him some Pepto-Bismol and he's still just over there like, oh, I don't feel good. So finally I could see it in his eyes. It's like, all right, you got a puke coming out. Like, let's just go plant ourselves on the couch. I'll get a trash can. You can get this over with. And as we we're walking down the hall, all of a sudden, like out of the corner of my eye, I see him like going towards the wall. I thought he was just being funny, but the dude was dizzy and he like pretty much fainted face plants into my wall and between his knee and my forehead punches two holes in my drywall. Boom. So then we're like, Oh my God. Like, Oh yeah. Serious now. Dude, it took it to the next level. So like, all right, all right. I like picked him up and figuring now he's got a concussion. So, you know, you're asking him like all the questions, like what's your name? Who's your teacher? And he answered all of them fine, but he's like, I don't feel good. He's like, yeah, no crap. You don't feel good. So I was trying to hurry him over to the couch. Cause I was like, I know that puke still in there got to the couch, looked me in the eyes, and then proceeded to vomit all over me. So Ooh. it's like, oh, nice. So I don't think I'll be eating barbecue for a while since there was like a gallon and a half of not oh. even beginning to be digested barbecue. Yeah, me neither on after me. that. It was awesome. <laughs> so nice. <clears throat> then my little turd baby woke up at 3 o'clock this morning, so we could have ah. recorded like five episodes of the podcast on this Mother's Day morning for me, so... What Nick's a week, a, dude. Nick's had Sorry, a good man. week in yeah. the parenting department. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah, I, Rob. I feel terrible. I, I missed probably the most important thing that's happened recently was uh, my son graduated from Arizona State University. So yeah, just skip past yeah. that. That's not anything yeah. to be proud but of, dude. That's, congrats that's to him. So pretty special. <laughs> dude, that's really special, man. I, yeah. Did he pull it off in three years? Has it? It's, there's no, no way it's, it's been four years. Four years. And I mean, wow. COVID's probably the reason he graduated just because otherwise he would have probably been playing pro baseball so yeah but but it's all good so i knew you were gonna ask that social Uh, work yeah basically but he got a degree so it's good that's awesome congrats boy that's uh yeah that's amazing man very cool yeah yeah right on something i can't with you josh um you know i've got i'm off this week so and hey let me uh start by uh apologizing to the listeners for missing last week. That was on me. I was at a tournament. My travel schedule has been pretty crazy lately. And uh, everyone knows we try to do one of these a week. We've missed a couple weeks over the last couple months. And, uh, you know, we're not going to make a habit of doing it every other week. Like we have a little bit lately. Uh, it's just, it's just been a travel schedule. So sorry about that. Thank you guys for being patient. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't, Last time we missed, we really didn't miss lose any downloads. Uh, the next week, everyone stuck around. So uh, thank you guys for being good, loyal listeners. We appreciate it big time. Go ahead. Yeah, and it's especially tough when when uh, your competition day lands on a Sunday when we usually record. So that's that was probably majority of it, don't you think? Yeah, you know, it's when I'm in group B, it's very easy for us to record because I get an off day after practice, but. Typically, you know, if I'm group A, the way it works is I, you know, I'm traveling in the middle of the week to get there. I get there and I start practice and practice rolls right into the tournament. So there's not really an off day. And, um, you know, we sit here and only talk for an hour, but we also do, I've got to edit this thing and everything like that. And so it's a, it's a four hour process. And I just flat out didn't have four hours to, to uh, spare during the week last week so uh but yeah anyways we'll uh, we'll try to knock i've got another tournament coming up next week so we'll try to knock one out (laughs) before i leave but that's the reason we missed last week go ahead nick did you just confess that we record for one hour and then you spend three hours editing out all my inappropriate content profanity secrets all that takes three hours to edit that out right that's hilarious yeah you know what dude it's uh you you've been really good about not giving me a bunch of that i just uh (laughs) Half of it's waiting, you know, waiting on, on things to, uh, you know, the computer to do its thing while you're editing, but, um, and and maybe he just edits out Nick, you're an, you and I's quality fishing content. That's that's exactly what it is. He's trying to make it look like he's the expert on this podcast. (laughs) When, I mean, if we look at the resumes and the credentials, I think it's still up for debate who really is. Hey, that's very fair. That's very fair. I'll give you that. (laughs) Can we talk about the tournament josh yeah you know and i will go super deep into it because it wasn't the most eventful tournament for me but basically in a nutshell i'm still 
carrying around a massive gorilla. You know, it's uh, it's been a, a frustrating start to the season, as the listeners know for me. And uh, this week was no different. I missed the cut by a pound. I finished 24th in my group uh, out of 40 guys. And it was just, I mean, it wasn't a bomb, but it wasn't good. It was, especially on a lake that I went to wanting to do well, Lake Travis. It's an interesting lake. It's a, it's a deep, clear Texas lake. And I've always loved fishing Texas. The one time I went there previously, I loved it. I was excited to be there. Um, I just, same thing, kind of, I dug myself in a hole the first day and then I had a good second day. Um, I needed, I was like five pounds out going into the second day and I caught a five, three in the first 10 minutes. And so I was instantly back in the cut and I just rode the cut line all day. I mean, it was a super stressful day. I had, (laughs) I caught that fish and they brought a camera and put it in the boat because they love to cover the cut line. And I literally would. I'd, I'd slip a pound back and then catch a fish and be in by a pound and then slip a pound back and then catch a fish and be in by a pound all day. And it just, uh, ultimately I kind of, I had same thing, a couple more opportunities that I could have easily cleared the cut and, and, and been breathing easy, missed them and ended up missing it ultimately by a pound and 11 ounces or something at the end of the day. So frustrating one, but um, you know, it is what it is, man. And that's tournament fishing. And, and I'm ready. So I said it last time, but I'm ready to turn it around next week. You got, I just had around? a weird thought. I mean, does that, do your sponsors like, if you're like on the cut line more, because all of a sudden you're getting more exposure. You're, well, you're, it, I mean, let's put you in 10th or 12th and nobody's even going to notice that you're there. It's definitely better than missing the cut or or not even being in contention. Clearly, I think, you're still most valuable if you have a great tournament because you're, it's going to be, it's a lot easier to sell whatever you're using to viewers. If you absolutely kill it rather than grind your butt off and just survive. Right. So, but yeah, you're right, dude, as far as like what they can actually keep tally of the amount of hours that you have a camera in your boat and you're on live. And uh, that was the one benefit for me on the sponsor front was I, I tacked on seven hours of live footage to nice. uh, to the uh, report for this quarter. So, yeah, as a as a sponsored fisherman, that's definitely a good thing. And that is one of the unique things about the league is, you know, uh, it, from a fisherman standpoint, a sponsor standpoint, typically five cameras has been like the norm, right? You got five cameras, and um, or that's what we fished with forever. Five cameras and a hundred plus guys. And to get yeah. a camera in your boat, you had to be in the top five. So Pretty rare to get one. Yeah. Top five out of the hundred best dudes on the planet. Not, not super, super often. Uh, but in this league, you know, you could literally have a camera. You're still fishing against those same dudes, but they, they move the cameras around. They, a lot of times have them on the top five, but then also the basically 18th or 23rd also get a camera. So, um, yeah, I mean, like last year, I had a camera in my boat forty plus hours. It was pretty, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, that's big. What'd yeah. you catch the five pounder on? I caught it on a little swim bait, a uh, Berkeley Power Swimmer, uh, skipping it up under docks. That had to be a rodeo, dude. I I don't know if I saw that fish catch, but as it soon as that on, happened, I, I started watching. I got it on my camera, and I'll post it on my page uh, once it gets edited this week. But yeah, you know that was that was a big thing. Like that lake's got so many marinas in it that it's, it's kind of interesting. And and one of the anglers made this point wasn't me, but there are literally so many marinas on that lake that they almost take place of offshore structure. Even though the lake's got a lot of offshore structure that's in a water, a body of water that clear, every marina is its own city. And there are literally hundreds of bass, thousands of bluegill, tons of shad living in those marinas especially this time of year after the spawn the water's heating up the fish are looking for something like that so it's those marinas are really where the life is at and um you know everyone knows docks aren't my favorite thing but it's one of those tournaments where you just can't ignore them you've got to fish them and uh those big fish a lot of times those those big fish you've got to get them. They're very educated in marinas, right? Like, Mm -hmm. especially lakes that get some pressure and, you know, anytime you're, you're fishing a tournament with, with a bunch of boats, there's going to be a lot of pressure, but you've got to get a big fish in those marinas. You got to get them to make a mistake and you've got to catch them at just the right time. And clearly first thing in the morning is like, 
the one time a Most day where they're dumb. Other than that, it takes a lot of luck to get one of those big ones to eat. And, and sometimes it's just getting them to get it before the little ones. But it's, it's so important to make note when you see fish, like, you know, in practice, you see a big one follow it out or something, you make that note and then come back at a pretty opportune time. And that's what happened. I saw that fish in practice and uh, I it came out and followed a bait. You know, I was in there at 9, 10 a.m., followed it, didn't eat it. But it that, that dude was in the same slip. And a lot of times that's what they're going to do is they'll be in the same spot. And later in the day, man, I had a crusher. I had one come out at the same size in a different place, but it was like noon. And you don't get a lot of those bites non in the middle. middle of the day. And I got one to mess up, dude. And I watched this thing come out from under the slip, grab it. And it was a five, six pounder. And I still don't know how I missed it. And I just straight up missed it. I, like I felt just a little resistance when I set the hook and then he popped off just enough to make him go like that with his head. <laughs> but uh, I was pissed because I was like, dude, that's a one in a million to get that fish to make that mistake. And uh, he's done it once today. He's not doing it again. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow, but I, you know, I never even went back and tried, tried, yeah. I tried, I, you know, I fished through the, I made a lap through the cove and tried on the way out but uh, never went back throughout the course. I think that day. moment on on live, I didn't see you miss the fish, but I was in and out watching it, and I I was, I was watched it. It had to be right after you lost that big one, and just what you were saying, dude, was like it's so rare for guys to react like how you were you were reacting. What, is he dropping that crying on drop? my knees, hands and No, knees. but he's just like, he's just like, I can't even remember the words. I wish I could remember it, but it was classic though. I mean, it's like he handled it so professionally, but oh, he's just still hear that. just bleeding, like just dying. Like that. <laughs> he knew that was the fish that was going to make him make. The I cut. mean, dude, that yeah, it was the last start of the last period. I would have been clear of the cut with it. And then yeah. I was like, it was like, okay, you got to keep battling. And ultimately I lost. So anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, frustrating again on that because I was, I was kind of around him and just, just didn't pull the trigger but it's it's all good and it is it's 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 better than a bomb so yeah my take on like your season you you keep saying that you're just just doing terrible but i just you're like that um you're like that one bite away every time right now and you know it's just not going your way but i have a feeling you know that you take that one fish the other direction in every tournament this year it seems like and you would have made you know be making all those cuts so yeah well thanks man at yeah. least you're not like you know in the catching two pounds over three days or two days yeah. or whatever. no you know? for sure i'm so. like the cardinals dude i keep losing with a stupid <laughs> play by cliff's king cliff kingsbury makes a stupid uh call <laughs> And uh, they end up losing by, uh, you know, three points. And uh, their record's like nine and seven when they could have been Instead like 10, of 12 and five, and 10 and six. Yeah, 12 <laughs> and four. So, uh, Dude, yeah, call me the Cardinals, man. Go the ahead, bottom man. line hey, is, though, you go all season. Red. You go all season and, and let's say you just pop one tournament. That's the beauty of what you're doing. Yeah, for like, sure. Yep. Makes, you're makes right. Your you get a win and, and the you could finish last in every other tournament. It's a good year. And nobody sure. will ever remember. Josh, how much did you pay Rob to just support you like this? I, I need I like to start it. interrupting Rob to put you back down. Rob's such a supportive friend I like, right now. Hey, yeah, it makes, he's good. He's good at making you feel better. You can I tell remember. that he's like, you know, he, he grew up as a, or, you know, he, he's been a baseball dad and a, no kidding. And a, a supporter for a long time because he Man. knows the right things to say. And that is true to anyone that doesn't know Rob. Well, if I ever hint at Rob that I'm having a bad day, the one thing I will say about Rob's friendship, not the one thing, but one of my favorite things about his friendship, dude, if I give any hint there of having a, a rough day with Rob, dude, he calls me instantly. Like that's cool, I, dude. he's probably in line at Circle K's next go. He still calls me. So Rob's a good friend. I just want to make you, I want your bad day to make my day feel better. That's the only <laughs> reason I call. <laughs> Helps you feel a little bit better. Yeah, right? like what else you got? <laughs> <laughs> oh, your kid put his head through the wall. Well, at least he's a black belt. And my kid just graduated from college. Hilarious. <laughs> Dude, quickly before we leave that, um, I know you said someone else made that comment about marinas and kind of how they, um, you know, alter the way that lake fishes. And, you know, in Arizona, marinas are such a, most of them are off limits. You don't really get to fish them. So it's something I don't have a ton of experience with. So a question that maybe you can or maybe can't answer uh, do you think that's a combination of like shade 
in a, in a hot climate that they like, you know, the, the slips prevent, you know, providing for them. And then do you think like cables give them another element of structure? Like if a lake like that has awesome offshore structure, whether it's ledges, points, rock piles, whatever, are those, those final pieces of a marina that just take them over the edge, you think, as far as desirability? Yeah, it's got, well, it's cover and shade for sure. And, um, you know, it does, it, it attracts so much life. Like mm-hmm. those, those marinas constantly have, they've got, you know, crap growing on the floats. Right. And oh, then okay. it, it's it, the that, whole life the ecosystem cycle, huh? starts there, man. And, and that never stops. And, um, and you're right. The cables are another factor that like, especially later in the day, a lot of times the fish will slide down a little deeper and, and relate because they'd like to relate to stuff. Even, mm-hmm. even if it's as, as small as a cable, they will still, you'll have position fish on, on it, the right? cables for yeah. absolutely. They just like to be relating to something. I, I remember uh, hearing about a dude that had, had put some bass in a swimming pool and uh, they would all sit at the drain of the <laughs> swimming pool because it was the only feature uh-huh. in the whole pool. It was like just that little drain, <laughs> even though it was nothing, it was like it was a feature it was and they wouldn't just suspend randomly throughout the pool they would sit on that feature and i think the cables are, are very similar man they don't you think a bass can't hide behind a cable but it just feels it's a homebody and it's like yeah. i'm gonna sit next to something Go Have ahead, you, ever, you ever seen the they put a, a, a like a little white bowl and then a bowl with a black stripe in it uh-huh. and they put minnows in it and the minnows would relate to that black stripe. Interesting. Versus. That's pretty cool. Even little yeah. minnows do that, huh? Yeah. Pretty wild, huh? Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. That's cool. I, uh, um, I, I look forward at some point in my life to fishing more marinas like that. Cause it's just, uh, it seems like a real exotic idea to someone who's lived pretty much where we have all in Arizona. I think it's probably because it's, why are marinas off limits here? Sometimes it's because it's state parks or sometimes it's private property. What Rob shake his head? Tell me what it is. It's weird, man. Because well, yeah, I, I say I'll tell you. I don't know, but uh-huh. it's just if you go into Lake Travis, dude, and those marinas are no different than ours. They're private, it, obviously, right? Yeah, like you they can are buy a pri- membership I, I there. Well, I then... should I should, yeah, I would imagine they are. Uh-huh. But uh the Dude, water is public though. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Yeah. But you'll just, your Nick is right though. You, you do this in Arizona and you get your head bit off instantly and you could fight it all day long, but it sometimes it's just not worth it because, uh, you're just going to spend your so, time arguing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, no problems all week long doing that, man. It's, yeah. it's amazing. The difference in different places you go, but, um, what was I going to say? I had one more thing on that, uh, on that place. And I, it's not coming to me, but you just ended um, with God bless Texas. They just have it all, man. Yeah, I, I still Texas. love Texas. Texas were, is still great. So were you surprised how Brent Chapman caught him? I don't know how Jacob Wheeler caught him in the end, but I, how Brent caught him. Is that surprising? A Dude, bit? both of those guys actually caught him on a vibrating jig. They, okay. Mm. And that did surprise me a little bit because the water was so clear and, and mm-hmm. we've seen it like same thing. You can get them to make a mistake especially at low light and stuff. But those dudes, they found, they found slightly dirtier water, but they threw that thing all day. And 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 Wheeler did, he tapered off big time. Like he would whack him in the morning and then survive the rest of the day. And he won props to him. Uh, You know, obviously he did the best out of anyone, but if you watched his bites, he would load up and get a huge lead and then just, just hang on through the day. Yeah. But Chapman did. He caught him all day on that vibrating jig. But I will say where he was at, the water was was milkier. It was more of a stained aqua color, like a Lake Havasu color, compared to the mid lake and even upper lake. It was he was in a, the back of a creek. The rest of the lake, I mean, it's gin. You could see uh, twenty feet. Wow. Yep. It's as clear as any of our lakes out here. I mean, it's. It is almost as clear as Lake Mead. It's a, it's a pretty unique lake, man. And, was there any spawners up, still? There was quite a few. Yeah, I ended up catching. Uh, I hardly did it, but I ended up catching a bed fish the final day, and some guys definitely, definitely Hard-rated. did for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. you'd see it. it was one of those lakes where you could, those fish can spawn in 10 to 12 feet because it is so clear. It's a lot like Lake Pleasant. It's always exciting and fun, like when you go over a spot that's like 12 or 15 feet deep, and then you see a fish on a bed, you instantly think it's a giant, right? Because like the distortion of how deep it is, then it's so hard to tell. Yeah. And it's a difficult spot to fish. Then you catch it and it's a two pounder and you're like, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they'll surprise you one way or the other. You're right, Mm -hmm. dude. You're totally right. 
Travis, you don't damn it a two pounder. You celebrate yeah. a two pounder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird deal, man. That lake has got some, some real, real big fish, but it's got an unbelievable number of dinks. We talked about, I think before the podcast started, but God, did you got, catch the numbers, Josh? Also, I, when I was fishing techniques that would, that would lead into that. Absolutely, man. Yeah. 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 I think I caught, you know, the least I caught in a day was probably 25. Wow. Lots and lots of fish, quite a few. Um, well, yeah, cool, uh, cool lake. Moving ahead, we've got a couple topics that have been brought to us by listeners. But be, and before we stop our rambling, uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you guys: Have you ever seen the Netflix series uh, on F one racing? Drive to Survive is the name of it. No, I need to watch that. Only the preview. Yep, dude, it is one of the coolest shows. Um, I've had a little more time than normal the last couple of days when we're I'm house sitting for my parents right now, watching their dog with my wife and kids. And uh, I had a little time sitting around. So I've watched this a little bit. It is unbelievably cool. And, and I'm not a massive, I'm not a car guy at all. And I'm not a huge racing fan, but uh, just the whole dynamic of the, the way they do the show and the whole dynamic of F1 racing, absolutely badass. Yeah. Yep you guys would appreciate it yeah i gotta check that out man i uh i've always was a straight line you know car enthusiast yep. but those who actually have to use the brake pedal and go around turns and not just left turns or right turns whichever one it is and oval track that's left another left that's another i think if you're making right hand turns people are going to get hurt um but that's another level of skill and ability i would imagine yeah, so Nick did. Nick uh, has done a lot of drag racing in his life. He's he actually had uh, some se- success here in Arizona doing some drag racing. Um, you know, he just called me a big ago. deal, man. Yeah, that's just what is, I was. He's, he's such a big deal. He never talks about it on the show, but <laughs> he's got a Wally trophy I, I for everyone yeah. that knows what a Wally is. But um, and it's just, broken. But that's a minor sub note. <laughs> how to break? Talking about random stuff, and then we're going to be done. I was tipped off to a book from my brother, you know, talking about what Arizona was in the, they call it like the explorer, exploration years. You know, Arizona, I believe, was the second to last uh, state out of 50 to be granted statehood. So we're pretty young when it comes to actual like statehood. But folks have been cruising through here since like the, well, the Spanish came in the 1500s, but then like the, the next wave of white settlers was like early 1800s. And this book is cool. It's actually from the Arizona Game and Fish. It was a guy who later became like the chief head biologist for Arizona Game and Fish. It was his thesis coming out of college. He assembled all of these journal entries and writings from settlers coming across from what's now New Mexico on to um, San Diego. And then they built Fort Yuma on the Colorado River. Man, like, Arizona is, you know, a lot of different ecosystems, but a lot of it is just like, they call it like desert wasteland. But did you guys realize that there was like a lot of grizzly bears in Arizona? I think did either I, of you knew that? You've told you know me that? that in the past that there were some on the Salt River back in the day, but yeah, that's yeah. unbelievable. I, I have a hard time picturing Dude, that. Dude, jaguars, like not, not mountain lions, but actual like Tiger King. Like if Tiger King would have been here 250 years ago, he would have had an amusement park somewhere nice. down on the Gila River. They Rob's still get photos of jaguars in southern Arizona. They're rare, but they do, yeah. right? And back in the day, they had a lot higher range, like up into like, you know, where current present day Phoenix and so forth are. But one of the final things that I thought was really funny was that, so like as they would come down, you know, back then it was a real blurry line between what was Mexico, what was United States territory and so on and so forth. You know, all they did was follow water because they would go days without having any water. And so, I mean, their animals would nearly die. They would nearly die. It was a challenging expedition. So they would follow the water. So down in Southeast Arizona, right where it kind of goes into Mexico and my Mexico bus trip, I've learned now that was kind of like the headwaters of Oviachic. Um, Dude, there was this ranch called San Bernardino, and the the Spanish had this really sweet, they call it a hacienda, set up in this really fertile, lush valley. And then between, like, you know, the hostile Indians and, I guess, just the way of life, they ended up not making it. And so it just went to ruins. But they had this huge herd of cattle that became feral. And so these settlers are encountering these feral cattle, 
And dude, the bulls were so mean and out of control. Dude, they were getting gored by them, attacked by them. There were stories like they'd put like five or six bullets in these bulls and still get gored by them, dude. They'd shoot it and it'd just get angrier and charge them. And like two people would get gored and killed before they finally put it down. They're like the American (laughs) bison was gentle compared to these feral cattle. So Arizona was a nasty place 230 years ago. It was not for the weak. I can't even imagine, dude. <laughs> That'd be crazy though. Like, come and you wouldn't see them because it's real scrubby and like you know there wasn't a lot of uh, you know even though we don't have a lot of water, there were a lot of trees and brushes, mesquite and such. Dude, they'd just be going along and like out of a bush would pop like this 1,100 pound feral cow with three foot antlers or horns. Or a grizzly bear. Either these guys would chase them down with guns trying to kill because they're so hungry. They would eat the grizzly bear if they could kill them. But they'd put like three bullets in it, and then the bear would maul them before their buddy would get it killed. It was like, Never mind the crazy. climate, the snakes, stuff like that. Yeah, I can't even imagine. It's funny. They'd write like how much they hated Arizona. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> like in huh? a hurry to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So pretty pretty cool. Is that, you know, you'd think it's just like the Grand Canyon State, and there's nothing more to it. But couple hundred years ago there was there was a different story being told about between the the angry apaches trying to raid and kill them and the grizzly bears and the feral cattle yeah. now there's not a grizzly bear within 1500 miles yeah thank goodness yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously it just doesn't seem like bear country but it certainly was so that's crazy so that's wow. next random tidbit what's the name you. of the book we can- I'll have to look. It's something along the lines of like, I think it's called Arizona, the expedition years. And then it's okay. like 1820. You know, it's not, it's definitely not like, you know, Twilight or any romance novel you're going to find at the grocery oh, store. Man. It's a real specialty book. It, it has a very exciting title, something like that. But uh, it's just funny to read those guys' words and, and uh, their disdain for Arizona. <laughs> That's Actually, before we leave, I promise I'm done. There's a story where the guy uh, talks about what is now Roosevelt Lake, dude. Like they were trapping and netting fish all huh. along Tonto Creek and then up the Salt River from the confluence there, dude. So it's funny. They're describing like all the places that modern day tournaments are won out of on Roosevelt Lake, you know, and, and netting 10 to 40 pound fish. I'm sure it was those pike minnows. Obviously, we didn't have largemouth bass back then and they wouldn't get that big. But those guys are talking about like getting all pissed off because their nets were breaking because the fish were so huge. So how about that? Interesting. Dude, talk about a fertile little valley. I wonder what else they could have been other than those pike minnows. What do you probably think, flatheads Rob? or something, right? Wouldn't you think? That's a good I question. No I wonder clue. if those are native here. They probably do are. Do pike right, minnow get that big? They do get huge. Yeah, mm. yeah. They were they were monsters. If you go to their aquarium that I was talking about, that Odyssey one, they have pike minnows in there like up to five pounds, but they got much bigger in the in the native. Cool. Hey, speaking of aquariums, quick shout out to uh, Bass Pro for their Wonders of Wildlife Museum. It, uh, I think last year it won the USA Today Best Aquarium in America, and it's wow. nominated again. So uh, they do a lot for you know conservation and stuff like that. So if you get the chance to go on their uh, USA Today uh, online and uh, just go vote, go vote for, I mean, they're probably the front runners again, but it doesn't Where, have to get as many votes. Is that in possible. Springfield? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. right next to their their flagship store in Springfield. That's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm so okay. old. I was at the store in Springfield before there was another one anywhere else. That's cool. Oh. When's the last time you were there? Oh, that was that was years ago. It was mid '90s when I was there. Was it unbelievable then? Oh yeah, of course. And I mean, now we're so spoiled because you every corner you see store. another one they're like that one still ones. i was there with nick dude that one still absolutely much more trumps impressive, every huh? other store dude yeah, it's, yeah. it's sick yeah but yeah, i want to go e- to i want to hit that aquarium yeah it was an event when we went there it was a big deal so that's cool pretty cool sweet uh awesome so as far as fishing news goes right now i think the headline everyone's been talking about and i'm sure we're the uh 88th bass fishing podcast to bring this up probably <laughs> but uh there was a record sunfish caught just this past week but i think we are probably the most important to bring it up because it was caught in, in our state so yes. this We're is experts. our fish everybody this is we take credit for this fish yeah. it was caught and i by, would have caught it i'm like the bluegill whisperer so i'm really disappointed that i didn't catch it they're lucky you weren't on that lake that day because it would have been yours bro <laughs> It was caught by a Wisconsin native, Thomas Fercioni. Um, 20, 
inch girth on this thing. 17 <laughs> inches, tw- 17 inches long, 20 inch girth, weighed 6.3 pounds, red ear sunfish. Can you imagine? Uh, we all saw the pictures, but three inches lo- uh, wider than it was long. That's Incredible. how I like my women. <laughs> <laughs> on Mother's Day, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, but that is that when you're catching something that's fatter than it is long and it weighs more than six grams, that's a, that's a, that probably was a really fun fish to catch, honestly. Easier to go over than around. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's funny. Uh, it's hard to imagine what that fish actually looks like and feels like when you're holding it. Like, I can see the picture, but, but to, to really understand that, like I'm thinking I would probably have to actually see it myself. Like I just can't picture a bluegill that big, dude. Or sun everyone's saying bluegill. I'm saying bluegill too. It's not a bluegill, it's a sunfish. Nah. But I just can't fathom that. I think I've caught I've caught I've caught a couple two plus pounders, red ears out of uh, Lake Pleasant and then Lake Havasu also, but nothing that even resembles that fish. Have you guys caught anything freakish? Never even close to that big. Those fish are pretty challenging to catch outside of the spawn, right, dude? I think we had uh, – who's yep. that guy? that Roy. Yeah, Roy was the one telling us about it. Yeah, they just kind of get trickier to catch throughout the year. So it's cool that uh, you know, maybe that one was like full spawn mode. What's gnarly is they said he caught it in 25 feet drop-shotting huh? a nightcrawler. The fact Ooh, that he was drop-shotting nice. a nightcrawler tells me he was probably trying to catch a sunfish. A giant red ear, yeah. yeah I wonder if Pleasant's going to grow them like that soon. Like, I wonder if it's going to get there. Pleasant has them. We've caught them out right. of there. So but, and it feels so fertile now. I mean, guys are – Yeah. I mean, look at all the huge largemouth this year and obviously giant stripers that have been caught already. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I'd say I wouldn't call it good, but it's definitely – improved for sure man and, and yeah i mean that's got to be across the board right so that the sun I think a lot of, too a lot of that is is uh the gizzard shed yeah and even a six pound sunfish can't get a gizzard shed it's still got throat. the mouth the size of a dime <laughs> maybe right. it's leaving some thread fin for the bluegilly <laughs> because the gizzards are feeding everyone else but yeah good point so so think about think about how um I mean, Josh, you've experienced all the Midwestern folks emailing guide services anywhere in the southwestern United States wanting to catch four to six pound bluegills or sunfish. <laughs> Can you imagine now what's going on? Like, Dude. and they have no idea how tough it is to catch those things. Like, oh, yeah. I get it constantly like, oh, you live near Lake Havasu? Oh, man. Yeah. You, you fish for the sunfish? Uh, all the you know, time it's just yeah of course i mean you see those pictures it's it's real similar to like that phenomenon we probably saw in lake oh ivy where everyone, everyone in the country is like oh yeah i want to go hit that up and go right. catch some of those 13 pounders like <laughs> yeah. not quite that easy you know and i think i think if you could consistently catch two pound plus sunfish you could charge a thousand dollars a day and dude booked up every day no i really kidding. believe that that's interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting can, for someone to take that on. And, and I don't really think you can them. consistently catch them though. I mean, Bro, it's a bluegill. Of course you can. You just got to go figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> There's only know. 27 trillion trees down there in the bottom of Lake Havasu that they suspend randomly in, yeah. in the middle of the channel. Seriously. You got yeah. this. That's the problem, dude. <laughs> you got to go scuba diving to find them. <laughs> yeah. That's what a cool problem. fish though, dude. It's amazing. They grow that big there. Hey, Speak so they're they're so big in the Midwest. This dude's from Wisconsin. Do you think they're setting a parade up for him when he comes home, dude? He's <laughs> gonna sure. be the cock of the walk, man. He's gonna yeah. be the man when he goes back. Yeah, he's gonna be the halftime show at the Packers game. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, uh, dude, he's gonna sing the he's national walk out anthem. there with his replica mountain, and then yeah. everyone's gonna go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> They'll like cut to yep. the SpongeBob episode where like Patrick has a little sunglasses and he's doing his drum solo and then that guy will emerge holding his bluegill mound. Oh yeah. <laughs> I believe Milwaukee's best for all. <laughs> Much love to Wisconsin. They know what's up. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so that's uh, that was cool. Another thing that kind of transpired over the last couple of weeks when uh, when I was actually in Texas was there was the Bass Pro Shops open at Lake Mead, the amateur team tournament that ended up uh, kind of going sour, man. The the weather caused the tournament to be delayed two days. So it was kind of unfortunate. We have we got a lot of listeners that were fishing and they showed up and, and waited a couple of days, which 
hey, that happens, man. The weather's the weather. And then uh, they go out and start fishing the first day. The wind kicks up again. Lake Mead's a very nasty lake. And the Forest Service comes and pulls the permit mid-tournament. So didn't sound like it was anyone's fault other than the, uh, the Forest Service pulling it. And, and things could have happened maybe who knows, without being there's no way to speculate but regardless all we know is you know all we know is the permit got pulled they they called the event off halfway through it's been rescheduled it sounds like the guys are happy about that having another opportunity at this thing but um there were a lot of boats that got in trouble out there on the water because it got so rough and there were plenty of avid tournament anglers in the field but there were also plenty of anglers who had not experienced water like that before, especially in a tournament scenario. And it prompted a couple questions from uh, our listeners and friends to talk about driving in rough water and handling that, that type of stuff. So I figured it might be a decent topic to bring up uh, right now. And Lake Mead is, is a perfect lake to talk about. Um, we've seen it in, in, in lots of lakes around the country, but bass boats just weren't designed to, to traverse four five six foot waves man they they can they can handle it but it's a it's a rough deal in a bass boat right for sure one one other point i want to bring up real quick have you seen i know back 90s early 2000s they just didn't cancel tournaments like they do nowadays yeah they, even when i started and it's probably just a liability thing more than anything yeah but it's i mean if it's in the forecast they'll cancel it usually. So, which I guess I'm for that to a certain degree, but, um, yeah, I, that, I can't I speak to it. Cause obviously I'm far and away the least experienced in this trio. That's an understatement, but I definitely have a little idea of the litigious society that we live in in and in this day and age, man, like there's just the ability to paint pictures in such a way in front of a judge or a jury. And you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. just, it's, dude, it doesn't That's matter sad. if you're in real estate, bass fishing, you know, butterfly catching. If somebody can prove that there was quote unquote negligence or a bad decision made at the expense of someone else, it's like, break it's out your wallet that's what it is dude like it's just so i don't know that's my really uneducated two cents on that but i could see that being why in 30 years of you know legal evolution you know it's it just, probably good you know what i mean like that wasn't a, not an ideal circumstance but yeah like just as far as there's been a couple times where i've where i've been in the water ready for a takeoff and been like well i don't know it wouldn't be uh you know i wouldn't it wouldn't hurt my feelings if i didn't have to go out there today that's for sure you know and there's been a couple days when we've been sent out and it's like oh well especially they did that dude especially (laughs) guys your age like you're you're 30 something and you go out you don't you don't realize how your body's getting just destroyed in those boat rides i mean the the slamming constant and that i mean when you're 55 or 50 or however old i mean you're gonna go oh man you're going to pay for that. Dude, I'll tell you, like, so the back and all that stuff, but how about brain trauma, man? You know, really? that's one thing. Well, so I've heard jet skiing is horrible. Oh. You know, you talk about NFL and NHL, the hits against the glass and NFL, yep. the hits on the helmet. Think about. And look what jet skiers start with. They start with so little. <laughs> <laughs> they don't that's have brilliant. much to use. That's, that's true. Right. right. That's the biggest problem there. <laughs> well, my thought is, I mean, fishermen, we're not much better, if any better. But like, so dude, if a jet, if a jet ski is so bad, how's a bass boat running at 20 miles across a two foot right. chop any better, dude, you're getting your brains beat in just as badly, you know, just constant jarring. Dunk, so dunk, dunk, uh, dunk, dunk. <laughs> something to think about. And I, I do look at a lot of the older guys and, and that are sharp and I'm like, okay, they're still pretty sharp, you know, but it's definitely a little weird to think about that. But any, you know, anyways, uh, it, it, it there are some some things that you can do to kind of mitigate the risk and and the the suffering that you go through when you're in a bass boat in those situations but still they just don't compare to like i remember being on lake winnebago a couple years ago big giant lake in in wisconsin speaking of wisconsin it's just a giant bowl it's like a 20 mile by 20 mile bowl and it gets extremely rough when it's windy because it's shallow and it's just wide uh, there was a walleye tournament going on at the same time that we were practicing. And I was, I mean, I've been around a lot of walleye boats through the years, but never really 
during a tournament on a body of water like that that was so rough, dude, I was blown away watching these guys just cut through waves. Like it was a it was an eighteen mile an hour day in a bass boat. Like everywhere <laughs> you went, you had to go eighteen miles an hour. You, know, <laughs> you could not go faster than that and get on top of the waves. You were just like just between cool. plowing and barely on pad, just enough to get on pad and then just riding it. And these walleye boats would come by at fifty five. Just wow. I was like wow. the first one I saw. I was like that dude's crazy. And then they were all doing it. It was like it must be that much smoother in that deep V. Have you ever been yeah. in a walleye boat in big in rough water? I've never even been in one. No, no. Talk about some of the skills that you need to uh, learn when you're driving in that in that big water. Let's say Lake Mead on a 25 mile an hour wind day. You want to run from Colville to the Overton. Yes, yeah, so we'll start with wind generated waves like that because there's two different types of rough water: wind generated and then boat traffic, which we all experience. Yeah here too a bunch of it i experienced it like travis last week but the wind stuff uh the first thing is making sure your boat's ready for it right like if if you're going into so say it is that tournament morning you're sitting there not sure if they're going to let you go out or not and they say okay let's go you know put your rain jackets on <laughs> get ready yep. to go um one one thing the first thing that you you need to do is make sure that everything's strapped down having your trolling motor strapped down is the most important thing because that's going to be the first thing that's going to break no matter how good your trolling motor is your mount and your trolling motor itself are very susceptible because that's the part of the boat that's taking the biggest the hardest banging the biggest abuse you might spear a wave you might come off a big wave and hit one hard and all it takes is your trolling motor to break and it's pointless to even go to your fishing spot. So uh, strap it down. A lot of dudes that constantly fish a lot of rough water have multiple straps, but um, at least make sure it's strapped down. If you, a lot of the newer trolling motors like the Garmin and, and the other brands, they have a brace that, uh, a, a, you know, a, a pole, a pole brace that braces it to the deck. Even if you have that, another really good idea, and I'm talking about really rough, if it's really rough, is to take a rope and tie the trolling motor head to the cleat on the side of your deck. I was seeing that a lot when we were at Lake Erie last year, um, and the dudes were running all the way to St. Clair. They were just, just again, to brace it so there's absolutely no uh, play, you know, because if that thing goes up and down, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that can break. If there's no play there, that's a really big deal. Um, Do you ever take your electronics off? You know, for me, that's, it's something to think about it. Think about it. It just, it depends on how good your, your mounts are and stuff. I I'm pretty confident with what I've got. I don't take them off, but that's definitely, they're very heavy and the, the, the screws could strip out stuff like that. So if it's that, if it's that rough, it's something to look at and at least just figure out, Hey, how confident am I? And it also just, it's something to think about when you're rigging your boat, right? Like when I first started uh, fishing bigger bodies of water, you learn this stuff the hard way and had screws strip out. So now you just go with bigger, stronger screws. But uh, something to think about when you're rigging your boat is, is think about that one time where you're going to be stuck on a super, super rough lake and rig it for that, for sure. That's a good question. Would you take your graphs off going into that? I think back in the day we did, but they weren't like, they weren't as stout as they are nowadays. Now yeah. my boat now, I would not take my graphs off now. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the mounts are really good. It's uh, just it's making sure that, that everything's secure really well. Uh, yeah. And then just tight, right? You're tightening everything up before you go out there. Were you a guy that would keep your rods in the rod locker or would you put them on the deck? Um, I mean, I've had both. If I was smart, I'd put them away. But I had one day we went right through a wave, and all my rods were like laying on my non-boater, like just got wiped off the front deck. Nice. And you were throwing so like jerk baits, never... crank baits, and top yeah. waters predominantly, right? My carpet was never so clean. <laughs> there you go. Eh? That's one positive. Yeah. Yeah. When but, you spear a wave like that, it's so disorienting. You know, oh my! It like knocks the wind out of you almost. Yeah. I try. So obviously, try, but so hard but it's so important to to not spare those waves because it it, it'll mess you up dude it'll that power of that force of that water is so amazing and uh you know it's so easy like a million times i'll spare a wave and and you gasp and you end up choking on the uh 
<laughs> water, you know. The baptism you just took, oh, you're now man, a member yeah, of the church of Lake Winnebago. There's nothing worse. So so with that being said, you know, um and last thing on the boat too is is it's really important in a lot of bass boats to make sure that you get good bite with your prop. So if you're going to a big body of water, make sure that the, the obviously the ultimate scenario is having a hydraulic jack plate because you can bury it all the way down. They're very expensive and not everyone has one. So if you don't have one, uh, make sure that your prop gets good bite. And, and one way to kind of know is like when you're getting up on pad, even in calm conditions, if your prop blows out at any point, you know, and it's normal for that. Um, but if your prop blows out at all, you know, you get up on pad and you hear that, and then it catches and then you take off. There's a good chance that you're not going to have really good bite in really rough water. So, uh, one thing you can do if you're a mercury guy in that scenario is without having to physically lower your motor is um, look at the plugs in your prop. Those PVS, those pro ventilation system plugs in your prop, those little black, you got three holes in most mercury props. Uh, I can't speak for the other brands, but um, you can plug those holes up more. You know, when you buy the prop, you get a little bag with all the different size holes. And the more those things are plugged, the, the more grip it's going to have. The reason you would pull them is actually to get a faster hole shot, get that prop spinning more, actually get some air in there. But um, I've been in scenarios without a hydraulic jack plate where I didn't have the bite I needed. And um, I think uh, I know part of that was having those, those holes too open. Um, so that's just, just one thing to look at. That's that's everything like you have to if you don't have like you said prop grip or traction whatever you want to call it and ability to move when you need to move um gonna get wet you're in well you're just in trouble i mean mm -hmm. you can't if, go dude you just can't you can't manage it um and josh and i talked about this the other day when we were talking about this topic was you know back in the day we used to run a lot of 18 foot boats now everyone runs 21 footers, but a lot of times those 18 footers were nimble little sports car type boats mm -hmm. that would be able to climb the wave and, and, and get you, down and up. And yeah. Down it was just up. easier to handle them in that big water nowadays. I mean, the boats are bigger, but they, I think they have enough power behind them now to where they're more of a sports car also. So they can handle, you know, I don't know what you would call it, but you running rough water just takes experience and you're going to, you're going to fill the bottom of your boat with water at times. And, and you learn from those experiences. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one truth. thing too, that I was thinking is, you know, making sure the drain and the bottom oh, your is bilge pump. If you don't dude, have a bilge yep, pump, you're in trouble. Yep. Yep, and yep, and all sure the soft, all the soft plastic and gravel and crap that's sitting yep. on top of the drain. I looked at mine a month or two ago and I was like, Wow, that doesn't look so much like a drain as it does a plug. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point, Nick. That's a really good point. Crap, so that's a good right? one it just too. gets down yeah. in there. So. Have you seen those um, the automatic um, drain plugs for bass boats? Yes. Like you can pull a thing and open up your drain. That would be huge in a scenario if you huh. filled your boat up, get that thing up on pad or get moving forward at least and open so that up and you could probably – dump water that's quicker. pretty interesting dude yeah that's oh. actually i hadn't really thought about that but that would be useful huh yeah so um, you haven't lived until you until you're sitting waist deep in water <laughs> so you're wondering if yeah you're going yeah it's real fun real yeah. fun dude uh but those are yeah those are great points so that's that's wind generated and wind generated lakes waves on lakes are they vary too i mean you get you get in the great lakes and those big waves are big and big rollers right Yep. And then you go to the Columbia River where you're you're uh pushing against current. The wind is blowing out of the west and the the current is going to the west. Worst case scenario. And it stands them straight up straight up and down and you have these giant waves so close together that you can't drive them. You just have to plow them, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's do you agree with that, Josh? Like the uh, yeah, Great Lakes, you that's can roll just and, it. And, yeah. and paying attention to that going into it, knowing okay, it's going to be windy. And and this is common sense stuff, guys. But 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 sometimes you can plan your day out, especially if it's not a tournament day and it's a practice day around it. Like, uh, say for instance, it's going to be you're in that scenario. You're at the Columbia River and you know it's going to get really windy and it's going to uh, you know blow out of the north 
and the current's running, or it's going to blow out of the south and the current's coming from the north, you know, but it's only going to come later in the day. You could start, you can make your run early in the morning and start working your way back. That way, at least you're close by the end of the day, but the current definitely makes it a lot worse, man. And there's nothing you can do other than just get your bow up and, uh, and try to try to stay as dry as possible. And there's, if it's borderline, man, you trying to trying to do too much is the worst thing you can do. You're way, way, way better off just giving yourself tons of time and, uh, and going slow and not beating yourself up because, uh, everything on your boat can break you know even the days where you think that you made it unscathed at the end of the day you go to plug your batteries in and <laughs> your battery trays are broken your chargers ripped off the wall uh and it's just thousands of dollars worth of damage dude so it's 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 completely not worth it never mind just the the uh the danger of it but um yeah current makes it so much worse and when you when you know that wind is going to blow against the current it's it's the it's it's twice as bad were you going to say something, man? No, I'm, no. I'm, I'm just thinking how spoiled I am just fishing around here compared to like, like if I took my boat to Mead now, I think the thing would disintegrate and it would just be like <laughs> dust. But it definitely, it, lakes like that will expose any weakness uh, yeah. in your boats. That's for yeah. sure, man. Yeah. People, people that fish those lakes, they rig their boats differently. They, I mean, think all the battery tie downs. I mean, it's just endless. I mean, what you have to do and checking jack plate bolt, bolts and motor bolts. And Great call there. Nick's laughing because uh, he had just had an experience not too long ago, but you're right. Aaron Martin's uh, at a tournament at Lake Erie. I was at uh, 2013. His jack plate bolt broke and he didn't make it back to weigh in, man. His motor's yeah. flopping Hanging on the back on. of his boat. And Aaron is the ultimate in maintenance. I mean, that guy doesn't. Yes, he is he does not miss anything. And that was just one of those situations where it, Conditions I guarantee that guy's it. tightening up, tightening up bolts and doing, you know, just taking care of stuff like that all the time. So it totally can happen right. to anyone. Yeah, totally right. Um, when it comes to like physically uh, driving in that, you know, one real important thing is keeping the bow up. We keep talking about the, keep the bow up, keep the bow up. The best way to do that is to what you're going to want to do. It is, actually give the boat power as you're coming off the wave so like i remember when i first got into rough water the first couple times i had i didn't know better my instincts were to let off coming off the wave all you're going to do in that scenario is just bury that bow deeper and you're much more likely to eat the uh, next wave so you know you start with your trim all the way down to get on pad you're going to trim up not all the way up, obviously, but you're going to trim up enough to be able to, when you hit your throttle, your bow is, is wanting to come up instead of plowed down. So it's kind of like, for me anyways, it's usually an in-between trim, enough to get bite, but not so low that your bow is, is down. And, um, you know, a lot of times you're actually going to, as you're about to crest that wave, you're letting off a little bit. And then when you crest the wave, give it power to get the bow up. So you're, you're getting up over the next one. And, and ultimately it's obviously a lot easier to run sideways with the wave. So if you can go three quarters and crisscross and just go back and forth and tack back and forth, that's a great scenario. It's a great scenario when the waves just allow you, you're going from point A to point B and you're just going parallel. I mean, that's awesome. You could just surf those waves, piece of cake, but when you have to go straight into them, it's no fun. And really all the, the biggest sneaker and the, and the worst scenario is when you're going with them, that is when you fall that's, into those holes and that's a wings. kiss of death right there. Yeah. Yep. Rob <laughs> smiling. And sometimes, so Columbia river is an example uh, and any river system where it, it happens to a lot on lakes that have a lot of timber, like Toledo bend and Rayburn, they get really rough and you have to stay in the boat lane. So you can't tag back and forth, tack back and forth. Cause there's, you can't get out of the channel. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, the funniest thing about going with the waves, you'll go a few waves and you're like, man, this is easy. You're mm -hmm. like rolling them and rolling them and rolling them. Go a little faster. You go a little faster and then all of a sudden you are sitting <laughs> waist deep in water. <laughs> yes. That's, it's so sneaky, man. It oh, definitely yeah. doesn't seem as bad until you're, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, nothing worse than hitting up, going right through the middle of the wave way too fast. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> 
Uh, Hilarious. Dude, you're smiling because I know you've done it a bunch of times, just like I have. Too many times. Yeah, yeah. And the look on your non-butter's face, it's priceless. Like if you had GoPros back when I was doing (laughs) the scoffs, the probably getting flipped off too, you know? Oh, sure. And they're thinking, (laughs) did I uh, renew my life insurance policy? Did I pay that premium? Because this asshole is going to kill me. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so going with them, that's the one that you really need to be careful for and power up as you're coming off the wave. That's the, that's the biggest and most important thing. Um, as far as like the driving goes and stuff, man, I think that's, that's probably the, uh, the biggest thing. Yeah. It's, I give tons of time to get back to, to weigh-ins in those scenarios. You know, it's even if you have to give yourself two or three hours, it's just, it's better than having to push it, man, and, and sinking your boat or getting hurt or breaking everything on your boat but am i missing anything guys i don't think so i think it's just a lot of it's like you said it's just taking it easy that's trial and error but it's um you know maybe if you live in an area it's got big water you go out on a day that's not terrible and just practice you know and i think and running the troughs like you said when they get so big you can't run with them with them or against them you have to just run those troughs and that's you can actually move pretty fast when you're doing that if you can crisscross like that so for sure running banks too you know plan your routes out yeah. to where you it's well worth same thing like when i was when i was young and didn't know any better at tournament takeoff i'd run straight from point a to point b even if it was rough and you'd watch some guys run two three four miles out of their way get on the bank and now all of a sudden you're two mi- three miles ahead of them and you're like, look at those idiots. Yep. And then by the time you get across <laughs> the lake, they've been fishing for 15 minutes, dude, because yeah. they, they, they get on the bank and then they can run 70 to where they're going. So that's, that's a great point. Thing. I learned, I learned that lesson at Elephant Butte in New Mexico. And, um, you, if you run right up the gut of that thing, you're going to die. And <laughs> if you get off to the side and, and run the bank, you're, you're in a lot better situation. Totally. Just use, use those points and those breaks and the, you know, to, to, to break up that, that wind a little bit. And obviously you got to watch out for points that come out in shallow water and stuff, but just be smart about it. So. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, and it, it'll, it'll catch up to you. It'll, it'll sneak up on you as well. If you know, it's windy. It, it, Okeechobee is a perfect example, but any of those big round shaped lakes, you know, it, it will sneak up on you because you're on the North side of the lake and you're like, it's windy, but it's not that rough. So you start running, you start running, you start running. Now all of a sudden you're out in the middle of the lake and it's like, dang, dude, these it's pretty rough out here. And you you can't see shore. Now you're out in the middle of nowhere and you go another couple of miles and it's like, holy crap. And now all of a sudden you're in five footers. So um, just because it's calm where you're at, if you know it's windy or if you know it's windy in the forecast, take that careful route. Uh play it safe rather than just just going right across the middle i mean it, it it'll shock you what one end of the lake is like uh compared to the other when it's blowing out of a certain direction go ahead dude i i've not fished okeechobee but i understand there's a ch- channel that goes around that so if, if the wind if there's five footers in the middle is the channel completely smooth yeah so just a longer route right you have to know where you're going in the rim ditch like uh yeah you, you've got to it's, it's almost like driving on highways, right? You got to know where you're going and know how to get from point A to point B, but it's an alternate route for sure. Okay. And that's a huge deal. Yeah. It's a, that rim ditch is always calm. It's just a, it's literally looks like a canal. Yeah. looks like the SRP canal, a lot bigger, but, um, but there's turns and stuff like you have to know, like you said, you have to know where you're going. So that's kind of complex, huh? Well, it goes around the lake, but it's not without interruption. There's okay. locks and, and different oh, things wow. like that. So, um, you can't just take a lap around the lake, but okay. you can get in it and use it for sure. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's a cool topic, man. I've got, you know, um, I think yeah, if anybody, kind of, if anybody ahead. has more questions about it, hit us up with questions. Yeah. Don't if ask anyone's me. got a crazy story, send <laughs> yeah. them, uh, send them to yes. like, I think we've all kind of beat our beat to death, our craziest rough water stories on previous episodes. We've talked about it a lot, but if anyone's got a wild one, so I want to hear from co-anglers about some crazy stories. <laughs> yeah. <of> their- <laughs> Dude, yeah, let's get some white knuckle co-angler stories, whether it's wind related, current related. You know, I, I didn't like any of the times that I had the uh, Colorado River, like Martinez and stuff, and you'd be with a boater and he's going around a corner and you know Duh. that there's like a drunk guy on a 40 foot pleasure boat right there. It's like, I really am going to die. Like I better 
decide what my beliefs on the afterlife are because it's coming soon. Yeah. I absolutely cannot fish. I couldn't fish as a co-angler. Just, I would go crazy (laughs) in just in the boat running alone. We all like promote co-angling and stuff. And and then Rob says that. Yeah, that's just me. Rob's so relaxed and trusting and non-over-analytical that he would just like show up and be like, hey man, I brought a sandwich. I've got two rods. It's going to be a great day. I totally trust you. That's when it comes to the fishing it. aspect, that's exactly how I would be. But <laughs> yeah. when it comes to the boat running, <laughs> I'd be so uptight, B. it would be unreal. <laughs> yeah, It's so easy to get wound up driving your boat. We've all done it, man. I've, I've, done mean, it. I've made some bad yep. decisions. Dude, the steering, wheel, the steering wheel is so much more confidence-inspiring for something to hold on to. When you're over there with like one handle that's like awkwardly in front of you and maybe one underneath you and then... <laughs> It's like, hold on, Beverly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's just the wind generating stuff. You get on a busy lake, like the, a lot of the night tournaments, you do your takeoff and it's five, five, six o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in the lake. A little nuts. busy near the ramp. Yeah. And dudes are running 70 trimmed up. And, uh, and we've seen some crazy, crazy stuff happen. It's like, dude, just just trim it down and get there safely. Um, yeah. It's it's absolutely not not worth that and what what scares me man what i what freaks me out is watching the boats like run right behind a skier or a tuber or a wakeboarder yeah. you know like getting right on their tail and we're like if that person fell off like there's a good chance oh. you'd hit a man i cringe so much watching watching that lake travis was unbelievable as far was as there the some boat pressure boating the, the, every single one of those marinas has they're massive marinas and when when you get a nice day man every single person walks down to their boat and takes it on the lake i mean i it was traffic as as busy as i've ever seen on on any of our lakes it was unbelievable man it just beat your brains in and that's not the stuff where you're gonna flip on that one you just you're you're watching out for jet skiers you're watching out for uh you're trying to that's where the traffic pattern is really important stand on the right side of the lake and 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 just taking it easy right any tips for that uh alcohol common sense common sense sense. correct yeah yeah Yeah. not alcohol (laughs) (laughs) right on well hey um been a pretty good episode we will uh we won't miss you guys next week we're going to get together here towards the end of the week and uh, we'll be back again keep those questions coming um thanks again for uh, for listening as always thanks again for the reviews on itunes and um, do you guys have anything else before we let everyone go and enjoy our Mother's Day? Nope. No, I don't. Yeah, just happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and the the women out there. Hopefully they have a nice day. And, uh, um, yeah, that's it. Great. All right, guys. You guys have a great one. We'll be at you next week. Thanks. See you.